episode 49 <laughs> as you can hear the washing machine is on and the point of this segment is to introduce this episode which is Britpop and all-star cast I'm going to introduce you to the cast Emily I didn't do it on the episode because I was feeling awkward during this episode I'd been for a run and I was trying to drink my pain away like a lot of people do but I didn't introduce everyone because I found it a bit cringy because there were six people in front of me on zoom Communicating on Zoom is a bit weird, and I was the curator, so I suppose I'm under a bit of pressure. I know all the people. I didn't get to say, how are you? What's going on? I haven't seen your face for a year, and I'm doing this podcast with you talking about Britpop. So we're going to introduce them now. And just to briefly say, we've been doing some vinyl work. Emily, right now, is putting lights inside a record player. Yeah. And we've bought loads of vinyl and got some vinyl out of my dad's garage. You know, it's a bit of an only fools and horses type time for me. I'm trying to make money out of nothing or out of what we already have in my dad's garage. And, you know, I'm enjoying it. Are you enjoying something. it? Something. But the thing is, is that now is a time for people to reflect on having too much shit, right? Mm. And like everyone's been sitting in these piles of shit they don't need for a year now. Mm. So uh, I'm sure everyone is doing what we're doing, this kind of year-long spring clean, right? And why not make some money off of it if you can? And we've wanted to do vinyl for ages, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And I think we're, we're finally... And it's fun. I mean, it's an enjoyable pastime. Now, this is the Britpop episode, so I don't want to delay everyone, but just to say that Emily's music is out. Um, the latest song called By the Sea is great. There's a music video for it. Um, it's reminding us all of sunshine, being on holiday. Checked out on YouTube, By the Sea, Emily Moment. Love it. Album's going well, and it's called The Party's Over, coming out on March 26th. When we go round, we're doing our top three Britpop songs, which is quite hard. This is probably the final piece in a trilogy, which is sort of top three, five, eight music stuff with musicians and stuff over Zoom. We did Neil Young and we did Paul Weller and this is Britpop. We may finish it for now and I've got lots of other stuff lined up. I've got an episode on therapy with, a, with an American lady, which is very good, I think. Got some other episodes with Americans telling me how they've been dealing with covid in their respective cities which is new york city and los angeles so we've got that coming up but to get back to this episode it's Britpop, and the first voice you hear is mark stonnell who is a musician and music teacher from essex he's in the band the milkshakes and the mill island band he's an amazing musician he's the first voice you'll hear the second i think this is right is paul tucker who i've known since the 80s he's a um probably my longest standing mate because a lot of people from my history turned out to be planks but i've been on the podcast before because you talked about uh tfl did you not 
Yeah, we did an episode called Nando's Cycle Schemes and Podcast with Tucker. So, and a long time ago. top fellow, and he's got a podcast as well called Ronnie and Ramage, which is about Watford FC. So, if you're a Watford fan, check that out. Next, we have John, who was on the Paul Weller episode. He's a musician and runs a rehearsal recording studio called The Control Rooms in Essex. He's in a Mill Island band, The Milkshakes. You'll know his voice. Then we've got Sam Rimbo. Sam Rimbo is back from the Whiskey episode, which is one of Emily's favourites. He's a long-standing mate as well. Nearly 20 years, he works in the drinks industry. So this is the panel. I think that's everyone. And we're giving our top three Britpop songs. So we're going to play a Britpop song and we'll be back after that. Emily, anything further? Was that the most people you've ever had to manage on, on the episode before? Yeah, and I think it's good. I mean... I'm actually doing this introduction before I've edited it. I haven't heard it, so I may not be in the context of the episode. Mm, mm-hmm. Is it so? You don't know if there's anything you kind of wish you might have said that you haven't. Said. I can't even remember what my top three is right now. What's your top three Britpop songs? Just to add you to the songs. Episode. Well, I'd have to do it like this. It would probably be an OCS song and a Supergrass song. Actually, the top three songs would probably come from those two bands because I don't really. Like and them. what would they be? Oasis. Don't like Oasis. No, or Blur. Do you like them? I do like Blur. Pulp? I, d- I enjoy a Blur gig, but like I don't think I'd ever pull out a Blur song as one of my favourites. So OCS, what would you pick? You know I like She's Been Writing. She's been writing. She's been writing. She's been writing. She's been writing, so that's from one of their two. I think that's from a 2003 album, but it's still a Britpop band, so that's good. That's a bloody good song. You know, one of my favourites is actually a cover. By Ocean Colour Scene. Yeah. Which one's that? Oscar. Oh, um, my time. I need nothing to be a man because I was born a man and I deserve the right to be like any other. Two thousand five album called like Ohio a workout for the flying squad or something. So you like obscure <laughs> OCS. What's your supergrass? Because you run to supergrass. I do you? run to supergrass. Um, nobody cares about my favorites. They do. People actually tune in for this podcast for you. <laughs> they're stalking you. The thing is, they're good melody makers, right? Yeah. They have good songs. Uh, what's the one with um the music video? With the pumping uh, on your stereo, yeah, pumping on the stereo is good. I mean, these are good running songs. I like Time, I like Mary, I like Supergrass. <laughs> Supergrass is probably my all right. So, here's a bit of Supergrass, and we'll be back in a minute with the Britpop episode. Thanks a lot, everyone. See you in a bit.
welcome to the Stev with Bev episode, whatever. This is the Britpop episode with the lads on Zoom. I found this quite hard, actually. In fact, I don't, yeah. I still don't even know. I, I'm just going to wing it. Three. All right, Mark, what's your number three in your Britpop top three? Far too hard to decide on three songs. <laughs> so I sort of tried to go back to sort of ones that blew me away at the time. At that age as well. So number three is um, Slight Return by the Blue Tones. Where did you go? I remember seeing it on Jules Holland at the time, and uh, that was it. I was glued to the screen the entire time. It was a good album as well, but... Uh, mm. Yeah, with a peacock on the front. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's still an enjoyable album. You know, I'm quite happy to do the lawn mowing with that in the headphones these days. Brilliant. Lawn mowing? <laughs> <laughs> You've got a garden? Have you got a lawn? When I had a garden, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw the blue so I'll an old band I was in, we supported Mark Morris, the singer. He was excellent. He had a great voice, really high voice. I remember him, he did a cover of Old Man as well. It was really good. That first album, I love. I don't know too much about their later stuff. I did have their greatest hits as well. But uh, that first album, every track. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Paul, mm. what's your number three? All right, by Supergrass. Yeah, so 95 kind of peak Britpop for me. That I was, yeah, what, about 14, I think we were. I was the same year of school as you, Steve. So, yeah, about 14. Yeah. Just getting into music around that time. Slightly later than you, I think, in terms of kind of getting to music. I'd, I was persevering with the football sides of things while you were kind of losing the interest in football and going music. But, yeah, that was, that's kind of peak, peak Britpop for me. And the way I look at these songs is like, Britpop for me is kind of music I've left behind now. So there's yeah. still some music from around that time I listen to, but this is a classic example of something that, you know, got everyone in a good mood back in the day. And if I hear it now, where it comes on, you know, or, you know, or, you know, like Spotify, I pop up with little trivia bits about it. It's really interesting to, to listen to, but it's a, it's kind of a song from a, a bygone era. So yeah, that's, that's my number three. Yeah, I listened no, to Britpop today and it didn't feel right. It was mm. too happy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Britpop's ha happy in it. So. It is a weird thing that that's a really good point. It just, it does seem so of its time, doesn't it? When everything was just so much lighter. The summer that song come out, I think it was 95, was it? And it was boiling hot. That album was amazing as well. Aisha Coco, I thought they were the best band mm. of the era. Yeah, it's just like classic memories of going down the park with your mates or like having a barbecue, you know, again with the friends or family or whatnot. And uh, just good times, wasn't it? You know? Mm. Yeah. So that was 95. I weren't into Supergrass straight away, though. I think I got their second album. I remember being really bored in yeah, Ireland and listening yeah. to the album. Yeah. I was never really super grass full stop. It's just that one song that resonates with me as like good happy times, you know. Is it the video they called at Port Merion, the prisoner village? They're in the bed, aren't they? And yeah, that's it. That's and they're it. all on the choppers. They're amazing. I like. It, yeah. I remember I saw them as well at Coco, and it's one of those things where I did the Irish farewell, where I just blacked out and left. I think I was drinking Jack Daniels. But they were a great. <laughs> they're a great live band. Yeah, and they they remain good. Yeah. 
I do think that might be the best debut album of the 90s for me. I think it's better than Definitely Maybe. I think yeah, that's a big people, shout, isn't it? Yeah. I love Supergrass. I don't think Supergrass ever did a dud track or a dud album. I thought they were... Yeah, I don't think they should split up. Most under, underrated band of the era. No, they never made a bad album. I was going to put Caught by the Fuzz in, but I didn't. I think I've just decided that. It's my number four, well, Caught by the Fuzz. I, I did have All Right in mind as the epitome of Britpop, but I'll think of one else, uh, something else. <laughs> 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 up. Right, do you want to go now then, John? Um, uh, just when you're thinking things over by the Charlotte. Ah. Are they a Britpop band then? That's another debate. They yeah. came on, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think they come of age. You know, telling Stories was 97. This album was 95. I think this is when they started getting more top 10 hits. I love the Hammond organ, the piano riffs. Yeah, I just love that album as well, the Charlotte's album. And that was always my favourite song, song of it. Hmm. Who's, what's a band that people say is all is in the Britpop, but they're not? There's loads Radio of them. Radiohead's definitely not in. Yeah. Radiohead's not in. Are they verb Britpop? No. Not for Lena. Yeah, do you know what? I, I think maybe the verb didn't happen because the thing about Britpop is a weird thing. It was, it was like everything was a lot lighter. And before that, everyone used to wear their music really heavily on themselves, you know, like, like Nirvana and whatever else it is whoever people were into, it was like a life and death thing or people were Smiths fans and they were so Smiths fans, it was just like a, a lifestyle thing. Like uh, Morrissey was their god in a way, but Britpop was so much lighter. It was about being with your mates and a verb were dead hard serious, you know. Yeah. Didn't they have a Northern Soul? That's a good album, that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a great album. album. But nobody really remembers that, do they? The, yeah, then, I think it was around yeah. about the same time as um, the Manic Street Preachers did the big album and also I think Suede's second album all around the same. Oh, oh, Manic Street Preachers, Britpop. Yeah, that's another one. They were 96, Manic, weren't they? I mean, that was huge, wasn't it? In 96, like, uh, Everything Must Go. And... Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, huge, but I, yeah, I don't know. But maybe I just didn't like them that much, Manix. They're all right. But they were, they were very much a rock band, weren't they? They wanted to be as big as Guns N' Roses, and then split up. What, what you were saying about people wearing their music heavy before? I think Manix fans, pre Rishi Edwards, they was that sort of band. Like if yeah. you were a Manix fan, yeah. you knew you were a Manix fan. Like you knew somebody was a Smith fan, or it's a, like a burden to carry. Yeah. Cool. Sam, what's your three? Good to see everyone, by the way. I've just turned off my self view. I hate looking at myself. <laughs> now I do feel like I'm in a pub. So when you're in a pub, you can't, you, don't, you can't see yourself. So what's your number three, Sam? Blurs for tomorrow. He's a 20th century boy With his hands on the rails Trying not to be sick again And holding on for tomorrow 
Yeah, mm. modern life is rubbish because it was yeah. for me because it was because I, I you're aware of Blur because she's so high and all that stuff, which was all like Manchester that baggy kind of yeah sounded like so that was just it was like I hadn't heard anything like that before really. You can go back and listen to Witchy Park and all the rest of it after that, but at the time it was just like that is so British. It's just and it's a weird thing when you think about it. at the time. I mean, we're now further away from that than they were from that time then for the Beatles White album, for example, 27 years ago now. It now makes sense when all the sort of people that were slightly older were quite sneering about it because they'd heard it all not too far along ago. Because like, yeah, I remember, I remember those tunes when they first done By the Small Faces, whatever it was. But yeah, yeah to, to us, it's like whatever, young kids, we'd never heard anything like that before. You look back now in terms of who was actually connected with who, Suede's and Elasticas and, and Blur's and there was a, a scene that was, was there and people consciously said, yeah, we're going to make British star music out of it. And, and that one, I thought, yeah, it, it's just, I heard it for the first time, probably on something like Evening Session with Steve Lamack and Joe Wiley, whatever it was back in the day and thinking like, bloody hell, that's better than the Breeders, whatever it was. It was like, yeah. it was um, bubbling around. Yeah, that's it. that makes some sense. I follow some sort of Damon Albarn thing on Twitter and I saw like, paparazzi pictures of him like yesterday oh is like, it where he's he looks like fucking shit you know when you go out at the moment <laughs> and like if someone saw me and you, yeah. you know when you just you go out and around the house gear he's like yeah. completely he looks like he's just come out of a wheelie bin proper <laughs> i know that's always like half of his style but he's like minted and it's weird isn't it he's done well reinventing him like might not have been into the gorilla stuff, but to do that after Blur and then go back to mm. Blur and do that, and uh, was it the good, the bad, the queen as well? He's done pretty amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Would you say that was Swade a Britpop band? Because they, yeah, I just hate Swade. I'm not a big fan, but oh man, maybe they were the first band to start this Britishness thing. And very consciously that because everyone else was kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, Manchester was a thing and Baggy was a thing, but it weren't immediately thinking that is that is really really British. But and then we're just waves and waves of American grunge music or whatever it was because you went from like Guns and Roses being massive and the Stone Roses were kind of smaller in comparison, and then you had like yeah all these American grunge bands dominating everything. And that was what music was. I had the Snoop Dogg album and Cypress Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I started going <laughs> home at lunch to to, practice, to learn guitar. And that's when I got into music. Until then, I was just like everyone else. Oh, have you got Now 7 or whatever? I remember we were like meeting to go to like Woolworths in Pinner to buy, I think it was probably tapes back then, let alone CDs. I remember like buying, like around that, that time, I was buying stuff like Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah, I bought so. that Boom Shake the Room. <laughs> I don't think that's quite a good pop though, but yeah. I think my first single was Paul Gascoigne and Linda's Farm, Fog and the Times. Fog and the Times, oh mine, oh mine. My three is Oasis, Some Might Say. Some might say that sunshine follows thunder. Go and tell it to the man who cannot shine. Yeah, great tune. Mm. Yeah, so I saw that Top of the Pops and it was like a light bulb thing for me. 
Steve, was it the one where he had like the Umbro sports yeah. zip-up jacket? Yeah. And in that documentary, you can see them backstage and they're as high as a kite, all of them. Because they're miming, aren't they, on top of the pot? They're, they're on ecstasy, mm. aren't they? Yeah, they're on something. Um, no, definitely ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> I bought that, uh, and I think it was one of the first singles I bought myself. And it's an EP of four songs mm. with Acquiesce and um, Head Shrinker and Talk Tonight. Talk and I think that's better than most of their albums. This song, the lyrics are complete nonsense. Don't mean anything, but it didn't matter at the time. It was weird, wasn't it? Like now it's like, oh, mm. what is this song? Yeah, but it just has something, doesn't it? And it's a bit slow, the song. I think it's done to a click maybe, but I still like it. So that's my three. And I had to include Oasis because it got me into all of this stuff. Mm. I had no mm. Oasis about an hour ago. I've done the opposite, Steve. I've, I've deliberately left Oasis out because I, okay. I... Yeah, I kind of retrospectively think they're kind of a bit above Britpop. That makes sense. Right. Like everyone else was kind of aspiring to be as good as they were, particularly when What's the Story came out. They kind of, you know, mm. started to blow everyone away when, uh, what was it, they released yeah, like yeah. Wonderwall, yeah. uh, Don't Look Back in Anger, then Champagne Supernova. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, like uh, no one's touching these boys, are they? And they kind of continued that, whereas all the other bands kind of, you know, maybe had one more album and then started to drop away and stuff. So that, that's, that's kind of why my choices don't reflect Oasis, because I think they were like the defining band of that era. Just, just maybe a bit above it, you know? Yeah, I mean, when Oasis got the other members, I think they got too good. I think the original lineup had like a chemistry. Yeah, make your right on that because, yeah, they, they started to play a bit too much for what the songs were. It's a bit like Crazy Horse and Neil Young yeah. and between that, that and CSNY, for example. You can't play some of the same songs with CSNY because they just sound a bit, they don't sound as punchy or whatever. Yeah, you might get some cooler bass lines or whatever it is in there and and different kind of melodies, whatever it might be, but you're not going to get the immediacy, you know, that, that thing that you get with Oasis. Yeah. Sam, weren't you in the cigarettes and alcohol video as well? Uh, not, not in it, because I, I, was, I was too much of a prick. I was too hot to jump up and down. I was wearing linen shirts, so I'm not, not jumping up and down for anybody. I look like a sweaty mess by the end of it. So, so what it was, was um, I think we went to see him at the Forum or something, Kentish Town. On the Thursday, I think a few of us went from school mm. and went up there and um, did the gig. And I think we'd all seen, like, I think Supersonic was out at that time or whatever. It's, and we'd all got off the back of that, went to see the gig. And they did some, some weird thing where they sent people around the crowd spotting and giving people cards to turn up at the borderline really? on the Sunday. So, yeah, me and mate got past. He went down there on the Sunday. It was cracking, yeah. So, about 100 people milled in there. Free drink? Much went on. Um, no, there's a bar in there. That was that was up and running, and then um, <laughs> you had to pay for it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they did about two or three run-throughs of cigarettes and alcohol, miming it. And, and then they, didn't they actually play it. That's a bit lame. No, and then they came back and did a full gig. Oh, did they? Played, oh. Yeah, played. And you were there. About two, uh, yeah, played everything they knew. So even oh, like Noel doing like, do you want to do Oasis in Borderline? Yeah, best bit. Of it, yeah, after they did the gig was um. They all fucked off to the dressing room and then, um, yeah, but Bono, Quiggs and um, McCarroll came out and just hang around the bar with about the four or five girls that were there. Like, hang on, just at the bar going, oh, yeah, of course, I'm in the band. You know, like, and where are the other two? Well, we couldn't find them. So we thought, fuck it, we'll just wander backstage because there's no security or anything at that point. Wander backstage and uh, right into the dressing room. And there's, uh, yeah, Liam and Noel. Liam asked me for drugs. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got any draw, mate? No, no, no. And I was sitting there looking, yeah, either hungover or very bored or pissed off because you had sunglasses on, just not talking to anyone. And I was like, like 17 or I go, like, so you got different guitar you had on Thursday? And he went like, all right, you like it? <laughs> told me a whole story about how he whacked in the video or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He t- told me a whole story about how he whacked someone with um, the guitar that Johnny Marr gave him. So he gave a different one. That was, uh, yeah, so that's why I got this one there. And he goes, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> So wow. yeah, that was that's it. amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a good story. I'm glad I asked you that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the end of it. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah. Was, that, How did that end? Were you thrown out? <laughs> oh no, they, they, they just went out in the bar and just drank, and everyone just drank, and then we went home, and that was it. And I was like, oh, yeah, see that nice lads, didn't they? You truly <laughs> live, Sam. You know, you know, at the moment when you think I've actually lived my life. Every now and then, something just comes up, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've had a fairly good time. You know, yeah. I've got a trivia question. I've just come up with this question myself, and it is, which Britpop singer has been in two Britpop bands and dated three Britpop singers? Is that a complicated question? So which Britpop singer has been in two Britpop bands and dated three other Britpop singers? So think about that one at home and we'll come back to it later. You know, it's been 25 years. I don't know I can't, I can't what happened like last last year, let alone twenty five years ago. Two. Yeah, so I, I was uh, weighing up on this one. My first number two was "Shall We Are Love" by Cooler Shaker, but that's not in Britpop, is it? Because that's ninety nine, and it is sort of a Britpop band. But that album, that second album, is after the period. So I rethought about it, and one of the songs at the time was the Boo Radleys with. Um, Obviously, Wake Up Boo, I should say, probably be the the track to mention, I suppose, isn't it? That was pure class when I was younger. I used to love that tune. Wake Up Boo, that was a big radio hit, wasn't it? Well, it would have been, yeah, it would have been a very big radio hit at the time. But that's a great album as well. It's a great listen. It's a good, good listen. Still is. I'd still listen to that it now. It's on the, I think it was Virgin Radio advert. It's the one that I, it catches you immediately. You're there. <laughs> Again, it's that sort of like just a summer song, isn't it? Uh, it is. It's in that same category. It is bang. It's summer song. Is it 95? In that, it, it probably is 95. So it's once again that classic year. 95 seems to be the year where it was all summer hits. It was a beautiful summer and uh, guitar music was top of the charts and all the time. Well, most of the time. <laughs> Wake Up Boo, indie band, Boo Radley's, this is their fourth album, Wake Up. Biggest oh. hit both in the UK internationally. Yeah, I mean, I myself, I really like the Cooler Shaker song, Shower Your Love. That's like a George Harrison song. That is proper mint to me. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. All right, Paul, what is your number two? Common People by Pulp. (laughs) 
knowledge She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College That's where I caught her eye She told me that the damp was loaded I said my case on my room with Coca-Cola She said fine And then in 30 seconds time She said I wanna live like common people I wanna do whatever common people do Wanna sleep with common people I wanna sleep with common people like you What else could I do? I said, oh, I'll see what I can do Yeah, just like, yeah, pretty similar reasons to the, to my first choice uh, Supergrass really, just kind of like 1995, peak Britpop Sun's out, happy, feel-good song. Comes on now, still sounds good. Yeah, although, you know, and as I said earlier, kind of like of, of that era, like I didn't I didn't really follow Pulp after. It was kind of like Common People and Disco 2000 were kind of like the, the two big anthems of that year. Just like remind me of holidays, you, you know, when you're younger, like when you're harping back with the good memories, this is like a song that springs to mind and a fun summer kind of thing, you know? So, uh, yeah, just thought there's got to be a bit of Pulp in there. Yeah. Do you remember me, Paul, playing this on stage at school? with like some band I had with the, that English teacher. What, in that Are you in a band with yeah. teacher? <laughs> yeah. So I've only just remembered this because I'll give it away. <laughs> Common People's my number one. School, um, School of Rock. Yeah, so I can't, I've only just remembered this happened, but we played Common People and Champagne Supernova. And I can't remember who was singing, but it wasn't me. And I was like on stage playing my old Epiphone fake Les Paul or whatever it was. I remember I had like a red bomber jacket on and just doing the Noel Gallagher licks and playing Common People in C. I just remember that and we rehearsed it. And so I was quite close with my English teacher, but I can't remember much about it because my memory is really Too bad. Close. Huh? Too close. Too close, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the relationship, yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. But he was cool though, because he was bringing, it was his idea. I don't know why I was in the band. But I think it's because I got so into music that he just thought, right, well, yeah, and I was learning guitar. He had a quiff, Paul. I can't remember. Um, I know it's making no, it I don't, sound I don't remember English teachers. Yeah, I remember a few of them, but I don't remember the English ones. I'll have to yeah. try and remember. Um, but he was all right, man. I'd be interested to speak to him now. It's weird yeah. with the teachers. You think at the time they're like 50, but they were only 25, weren't they, most of the guys that yeah. and ladies? That's it. I was going to say, I've, I've picked your number one and Johnny's number one now, so that, that puts a lot of pressure on my number one coming up, I tell you. <laughs> well, it's aged well, Pulp, isn't it? They're like the hipster's choice now. Is that fair? They're like the cool choice. It doesn't date that, so I'll be common people, and it was that sort of slagging off of uh, the posh people trying to be yeah. uh, poor, wasn't it? And, uh, That's it. Yeah. And, and that carried on through like the Libertines and stuff, like which were posh people. Yeah, that's true. Making a mockery of all all of them people, and they didn't see the irony of it. Yeah, it's a song that still resonates, doesn't it? As you say, it's aged well, and you can still kind of relate—not just relating to kind of the memories we had back now, but listening to the song now and the lyrics. You can still relate to it, you know. It's it's sort of a working-class anthem, and very clever the way they did it. It was sort of underhand, sort of taking the piss out of the whole Britpop thing really with the Primrose Hill set and all that. Yeah, no, that's the thing. So they, they, were, they were a bit older and they were outsiders, weren't they? It's a brilliant lyricist and he just, he always captured it well. And I think 
And there was the album they did right at the end of Britpop. This, this is, is hardcore. hardcore. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. heavy mother. The mm. come down, wasn't it? Yeah. Common people, I know every single word to that. Yeah, it's great it's song. Just, the tongue is poetry. Uh, Disco two thousand as well. You know every single word. Mm. Even if you weren't into him, you just amazing lyrics. There's actually a, a secret verse that nobody really hears. I think it's on the album yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, the the album version. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote something about this because it was my number one. Yeah, because there aren't any working class musicians now, are there? Pop stars, so it's quite interesting. No, they, all, they, they all go to like the BIMM or Brit school. The yeah. Music and it's become a career, isn't it? It's not. Mm. About Even Amy Winehouse went to the Brit School and Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. Young. Yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, and uh, they all go there and they learn it as a job and a career. Whereas these people were artists. You say Jarvis Cocker was more of an artist. He, he wouldn't have ever thought of it as a career. Mm. That was probably the last generation that probably had that. All right, who's number two? Is it? Is it John? Number two. I'll go the Riverbite song. Cracking. Yeah. For the fact as well that it was the theme, well, not the theme tune, but the in-between bits on uh, TFR Friday as well. Yeah. It was part of that called Britannia. Great TV, used to rush home watch that and that album Moses Shoals was great just a great riff a song that's impossible to dance to yeah yeah it's, it's it, in like, like weird time isn't it yeah like 12 eight. you like, can't beat a 12 eight tune to dance uh, to uh, can you uh, <laughs> 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 it, it makes you want to dance so you go I don't <laughs> so what are some other songs in 12 8 because that yeah it is interesting that's a folky rhythm so 12 oh, 8 would be like hide your love away it's just to get that sort of tfr friday thing in as well mm. such a powerful strong riff isn't it it's such yeah. a classic riff spot it straight away you only hear yeah. two seconds of it and that's it that's the riverboat song the Riverboat song was the start of the weekend, wasn't it? Because it was like, yeah, like yeah. certainly yeah. for me and Steve, it was like getting from school. And as soon as that came on, like, you know, you're kind of gearing up for the weekend. So like, I mean, in those days, we were, I was in like 14, 15, so the Friday night and there invariably was like TFI and then more TV. But but you knew that, <laughs> and then it was like football training on Saturday morning or whatever. But you knew that the weekend was starting as soon as you heard that riff come on and you, you kind of like just switch off from your schoolwork and whatnot and, you know, try and steal some booze from around the house or something and uh, go from there. I remember that they played 100 Mile High City on TFI Friday and they played it twice. Do you remember he went back, Chris Evans, and then then he just started playing the riff again. And I remember I went to this party that night, house party, and I was like, did you see Ocean Colisee on TFI Friday? I was like, no, I'm listening to Ashanti or whatever. I don't even know who they are. I think they made that song as like a, almost like an underground dance song or something. The second big single as well. It was quite early on in their career. As mm. yeah, I think it was their second album, wasn't it? They, they weren't. They were sort of like a baggy band, and then they were shit. And then Credit went on tour with Weller, and then they. I think the first one was You've Got It Bad, and then it was Riverbite song. Yeah, it was great it, live as well. Like if, if you're at a festival or an Ocean Colour singer, you can play that. Like you couldn't help but have a good time, could you? Like your beer would go flying in the air and boom, you're off. You know and. Like just, just such good memories of that coming on. Yeah. 
You know, the chorus, I think, is uh, the animals in it. Um, yeah. It's the House of Rising Sun. Yeah. yeah. That's a bit muso, but I kind of like that. I like that they're a bit of a rip-off band because it made you listen to the songs they were ripping off. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, David caught the train with a shoe, didn't it? Uh, I remember that coming out. You know, when you're going to school and it's the end of term and teachers don't give a fuck, they start bring music in and listen to that. Like, oh, I never had, had that. Yeah, we, we had a music lesson. And it was summer, and I remember I bought in the single David Court Train, put that on. And when it started, you know, never so everyone laughed. I was like, what are you laughing at? This is, but I was like 11. So I don't have a list to like, uh, boom, 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 let me hit you say, wayo. <laughs> <laughs> the first, first two albums are blinding. And once again, they had excellent B-sides as well, similar to that Oasis thing. Where they, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, and then they released that B-sides, C-sides. Quality songs that weren't trying to be hit singles as well. They really were great artists there, you know, underneath there. Yeah, good choice. I think it's you, Sam, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Two. Oh, yeah. oh okay. number two. Oh, you'll, you'll love this one. Uh, Animal Nitrate. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a swayed fan, but I fucking love that song and I love the guitar. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, again, it was one of those. It's for me. It's a big. It's a massive moment. It was one of the first sort of songs that got serious play outside of just the world of indie music or whatever it was. Because you'd hear that in on daytime and Radio One, and it would just be like, oh, that, this music's never been there before, and it was just different. It was alive it was weird it was like nothing i'd ever heard nothing anyone else heard of. but of course 20 years ago everyone goes well of course that was david bowie down in front of the hammersmith Odeon in 1972 i heard that whatever it was but at that time people of my age or whatever our age had no idea hadn't heard all that stuff because it wasn't it wasn't like that got played all the time and it was just um really british otherworldly and just different and just bloody strange and really catchy all at the same time it, it seemed was, quite dangerous and like androgynous, yeah. wasn't it? Like yeah, that. absolutely. Because yeah, that's why I think. Do you think that's a Britpop? It maybe started it, but I don't think the Britpop thing was that dangerous or androgynous. No, no, it wasn't. Because also it, cons- it contradicts something I said earlier about because um, Suede is a band that people got really, really into. It's probably one of those ones that bridged the gap. Right, because people were were really into that band and everything else. But yeah, that that was just it. Yeah, it was absolutely dangerous. I mean, people had, like poppers, whatever it is, people passing around school and that sort of thing. But and just the whole side of things, it was just like yeah, there's something going on here that's just it's just dark. It's dangerous, but hey, it's it, it's mad. They essentially had like yeah, just that. I think you had bands that had a decent guitar playing and bands that had a decent singer with the a bit of an attitude, whatever it was, but this is one where you look back and you know, they had Bernard Butler and Brett Anderson, who are both very, very talented in their own right. So that's what you do, because yeah, one sings like no one else, and one plays guitar like no one else. It's just, yeah, you don't get that very often. But yeah, I think probably, yeah, that first album was, 
for me, probably their best, although the second one, which is nothing, it's not a pop album at all. Dogman Star, it's just, it's lots of Bernard Butler writing Scott Walker songs that go on for like yeah, eight, nine minutes. It's great music, but yeah, it's not of that era because it's almost like they saw everything else happening when that's not us. They almost turned their back on it. And then Butler left and then they went, right, we're now back to being a pop band again after he left. And that's when they did the, uh, yeah, they had all the hit singles and everything. Was and that into, the Butler that they had all the yeah, hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because very, very much he was like, that's not for me. Whereas I think, yeah, I think Brassen yeah, yeah. wanted to but actually I, want to be I, a pop I like the uh, McCallum and Butler singing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, I do. Great song. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Suede? I've served him a can of Red Stripe once when I was bartending in Bush Hall, uh, Brett Anderson, but I don't really know much about him, really. Never saw him live. They're cool. I listened to him at the time a little bit. Haven't really since, though. They're still together, aren't they? They are. They still got it. They always had it. And I think they're, they're probably one of the most underrated bands we've had. It's probably the first two albums that are the ones for me as a fan, but yeah, they're still going. They're still they're still pretty kick ass when they play live. Yeah. All right, my number two is Ocean Colour Scene, The Circle. Um, yeah, I mean we kind of covered Ocean Colour Scene, haven't we? But I bought the um, single that was acoustic. I think there were two versions of the painful. single. And it had Alibis as the track two, and then Day Tripper with Oasis. So it feels yeah, like a Britpop song. And I think the the electric version is a real, just a really great song that could be in any era. And Paul Weller's on the lead guitar, so uh, he's in there in my top three. And just I learned to play guitar playing Oasis in '95. I got a, the acoustic guitar for Christmas, and then '96. I was starting to play like Steve Craddock instead of Noel Gallagher. So it was a good second step to start playing. That's good, man. I'm glad (laughs) we met. Yeah, just a good song. I mean, it's weird. These are personal songs, I think, really, in the main. Some might say my number three, first sort of song I bought and first time I was getting into this sort of music. And then this one is where I was starting to realise what a well-made song is and production and playing guitar along with it. We used to go, didn't we, Steve, for, for the old Christmas gig? It was down to Astoria, wasn't it, most years? Me and you used to go down and have, a, have an Ocean Colour Scene reunion once a year, yeah. I'd still go now. I think it doesn't matter what critics say. If they have a fan base, they're still going. You know what I mean? Even if people yeah. regard it as shit. I don't know why they're regarded as shit. I don't think they kissed ass or played the game, you know. Because they, they, they were from Birmingham, weren't they? So, I mean, you had, like, obviously, you had Manchester had its own journalist and its own scene. And then you had London. So if you weren't from one of those, it's just because yeah. you, you need to have people like that talk it up in the press or whatever it is. But yeah, if there wasn't anyone from Birmingham doing that sort of thing in the press, then they just get the piss taken out of them. I think they were one of the first people that were called Dad Rock, weren't they? Yeah. Not the same people that would, um, I don't know, proclaim menswear as the best band, best new brand yeah. in Britain or whatever, would then slag off Ocean Colour Scene as 
your dad's music or whatever it was. So what are the shittest Britpop bands? Well, there's one. Menswear. Man's done. Sleeper. Yeah, she oh, wasn't yeah. a great singer. She definitely went down the good mixer, but Mm. Yeah, they reckon though anyone could get a record deal in the nineties. I think Robbie Williams or something. Yeah, if you drunk down a good mixer in Camden, you could. So we're all just two years or ten years too young. Yeah. My trivia question at the beginning or the last segment was, which Britpop singer has been in two Britpop bands and dated three other Britpop singers? Gents, any idea? Justine Frischman. Yeah, so... Who's the third I, singer? Liam Gallagher, Brett Anderson and Damon. Liam Gallagher? Yeah, quick shag, apparently. Uh, apparently that was the start of the problems. Of the... I've heard it was just a fingering. Oh, he just fingered her? <laughs> well, she fingered him. Well, it was the 90s. It's gone out of fashion now, hasn't it? But... Now, fingering's men. Fingering's always around. <laughs> One. So, Mark, drum roll. I was lucky to be first, I guess. Um, it's a Universal by Blur. That's my... Uh, Number one for me. Choice. Uh, loved it at the time. Once again, it was one of them I really loved. I always was a big fan of strings and the blending of uh, classical music genre pop as well, this combo. Uh, and it was a quality video as well with that um, clockwork orange sort of edge there. And once again, Blur with that that tune, you know, if you're at that festival, even the, the last Blur gig at Hyde Park, I was at hearing people singing that song. It's amazing. Amazing mm. song everyone sings. It's, it's an anthem, anthem of that period, and it's got to be in the top. It has to be in the top. They're your favourite Britpop band, though, right? Blur must be. Blur are my favourite Britpop band, yeah. They're quality. And also, how class is that? They, they used to have, in the record covers, they had the guitar chords with the lyrics. Yeah, okay. yeah. I remember learning <laughs> uh, the Park Life album. Yeah. Handwritten lyrics it's with chords. It's great for a party. He used to play Bank Holiday, you know, at any bowl party. Yeah. It was brilliant. <laughs> I never saw them live until the reunion, though. I saw them in the Hyde Park in the Olympics one. Yeah, I went to that. Which we were, were at them, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we were there, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Best gig in Hyde Park, I think, I've seen. Oh. Blur for me. Yeah. I don't know if any Blur album is the one for me. People say it's Park Life. I think their hits, they're like a singles band to me. Their Brilliant. gig is amazing because they don't yeah. fuck around. They play all oh, their good songs. Universal, great song, but you wouldn't say the Great Escapes are defining that. Like, no, no. Fuck. All the horns and the Englishness and the overproduction have just started to go, hang on a minute, this is getting a bit too much. We've done it. Well, well, yeah, well Graham Coxon had enough of it, didn't he? he was very like, similar to this. He, he went American Indie and that was their... Yeah, uh, yeah. The Blur yeah. album and the 13 album. Paul, are you next? You're number yeah, one. Yeah, it's me next. Go for it, mate. Going to continue the blur loving, so I've gone for Country House. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not my favourite blur song. It's not my favourite blur album because I'm more of a Park Life or 13, I guess. But this is the song that kind of 
it's kind of a song that defines the era for me because this was kind of like when they were trying to, all well, the papers were trying to derive all your blur uh, with mm-hmm. Oasis, wouldn't they? And they both released the albums kind of like the same summer. And I think this was a song that went to number one again. Summer, everyone's feeling good that you know there's there's great music choices in the. No one cares about getting to number one now, really, did they? But back then it was a big thing. No. They were all tuning into like Doctor Fox on a Sunday afternoon and all that game, yeah. you know, listening along. And this and yeah, this was just kind of kind of peak for me. Like this was when there was like kind of a rivalry. I felt, and then as I mentioned, as I was kind of saying earlier, when Oasis then released their subsequent singles off uh, What's the Story, it kind of started to blow everything away, didn't it? But yeah, just just another you know catchy tune. And uh, just 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 memories of good times and uh, and whatnot. Yeah. I love the song. Like when they played it at that gig in 2012, you didn't care that it was like people slag it off, don't they? And roll with it. But there's something about the songs, isn't there? Just I don't know for me the memory of it. And it's just again good, it? so yeah. fun. Like yeah, I was mm-hmm. listening to this music earlier. It feels so weird. It's such a party, you know. That's what Britpop was for me though. It was, it was fun, you know. Yeah. Like I think all these yeah. all these songs are around ninety five, ninety six when we, you know, I was just starting to grow up and change as a person, and you know, start drinking and whatnot, and uh, yeah, just just kind of changing, you know, circles of friends and whatnot, and and new interesting things, and um, just reminds me of fun times. Whereas like you guys have brought up some of the some of the bands like Ocean Calisine and Oasis and, and Weller and stuff, who I'm more into. And still listen to now more, but this this kind of takes me back to a time that was, you know, just just fun times, you know. So mm. good memories. I'm glad we were there, boys. Imagine being it. 15 now; it's a bit brutal. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just going to on Country House as well. I love the way that Coxon try com- completely unpredictable and wacky sort of Sid Barrett thing going on. That's so contrary to what was being played in the other guitar bands there. Mm. With the predictable Noel Gallagher and the Coxon must be mentioned as a guitarist yeah. for this period. Yeah, he's great Coxon, isn't he? Yeah. This has got a good video as well because it had all the hot girls from the time. They had all like the sort of the yeah. three yeah. girls. Joke, yeah. that, that would have been some party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After that. <one. laughs> John, you're number one. Right. Number one. Yeah. All right. I've just gone for the most obvious fucking song. I'm not bothered if I ever hear it again. Wonderwall. It's so, so fucking ubiquitous. For Wonderwall, I'm changing over to the wine. <laughs> uh, how big Oasis got? I, I could, I would have gone for cigarettes and alcohol because the lyrics are amazing. But Wonderwall just probably the biggest song of that time, isn't it? It, it only got to number two. There's something about the song though, isn't there? There's something about the recording, the cello yeah. thing. His voice. Yeah, the man of the throne. He's and... never sung it the same again. There's something about no, the no. record. It's like one of these hits that's just captured. Imagine how different it would have been if you was banging to Oasis from like Definitely Maybe and then they released Wonderwall. Because the two singles previous were Roll With It and some might say maybe Whatever was a bit different. Yeah. It's got to be the most famous worldwide song of Britpop, isn't it? It's iconic, the riff and everything. Like, I'm probably oh, yeah, the yeah. only one that learnt guitar doing that. I, I teach guitar now and I teach kids it now. And they love it. Like, we were like seven or eight. And they go, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. They know it. It's, that's amazing, isn't it? Mm. I've heard it for first dances for people at weddings. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to dance to, though, isn't it? Yeah. What moves yeah. did they pull to that? 
Well, not there was no John Travolta's or anything. Just the one where blokes are just on the dance floor drinking more than they usually do. <laughs> Who's next for number one? Is it you, Sam? Maybe. Emerald's yeah. gone. Go for it, mate. Supersonic Oasis. You can imagine now just like, yeah, from the hearing on radio or looking at the video, whatever it was, it's just that opening riff and then the drums kicking in and you thought, fucking hell, what is this? It, the whole way through, there's not a wasted moment in it, not a wasted sound in it. It's just brilliant, start to finish. But yeah, a lot of the other stuff before that, like, Blur was very arty. You could tell that, yeah, these guys had put a lot of thought into it, Swain as well, all the rest of them. And it was, this was just like, almost like brute force. It's just attitude. But it was, it was like the Happy Mondays if they wrote better songs. <laughs> that was, it, was, it was just like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, that, that's what rock and roll should be all about. What's amazing, he wrote that song on the same day, didn't he? He wrote it at the studio. Mm -hmm. It's one of their records yeah. that I don't think they ever did it as well live. When they played it live, I was like, yeah. But the record, the yeah. sound of the drums yeah. and the sound of the guitar, yeah, yeah. yeah sounds men. It starts with the drums there. But what a brilliant combo build up. That's all you need for that sort of primal yeah. Sort of tune. Yeah. The guitar side is the same thing over and over again at the end. Yeah, that one's aged well for Oasis, I'd say. That sounds good. Mine's common people and we spoke about, haven't we? Is there any notable mentions anyone's got? A Girl Like You by Edwin Collins. Yeah, nice. Fuck me, that is one of the greatest pop singles I've ever heard. After hook, after hook, after I think it's one of the best singles I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Did Britpop end when Princess Di died? Is that I remember yeah. that period? Basically. Historically, that's what they say. And the and the Verve were at number one. The Verve and Radiohead. I remember hearing No Surprises on the evening session when like Paul Weller was on it or something. And then No Surprise by Readyhead sounded really different when it was played. Mm. Like depressing. It sounded like Neil Young on the beach. It was really slow. It wasn't fun. And I felt like looking back, that was like a moment when Radiohead became big with that album in 97. It yeah. was good, but it was different, wasn't it? It wasn't like fun pop. So it's like you, would, you wouldn't put the Blur album, like the Orange Blur album, you wouldn't put that in Britpop. No. And that was 97. Mm. No. But then would you put Be Here Now in Yeah, that was the death, wasn't it? August night. Yeah, it was yeah, it was Be Here Now and Princess Diana died. Steve, do you remember Be Here Now the day it came out? Yep. GCC results day, wasn't it? So I, remember, well, I went and got the album first. Exactly that, yeah. I, I don't know if it was you, but uh, NBC and Harrow popped up there, got the album, then H14 bus all the way to Hatch End to get the uh, GCC results afterwards. Yeah, That's so my, 97 yeah. it was HMV. Yeah. Some might say I got from R Price. Bloody hell. Our yeah. Price. Our yeah. Price was going yeah. in 95. And I remember when I bought Some Might Say, they had those listening posts. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember I was on yeah. a listening post with some other bloke who was like 40 and like some probably builder or something. And they had that song come on it. Do you remember that one that went... <laughs> And, uh, and he looked at me and we both looked down and he went, this is fucking shit, isn't it? And I was like, <laughs> Skip to the next one. It was a different world completely. But yeah, Be Here Now results 
GCSE results and uh, got the album first. There was, there was a TV special that same day, wasn't it? That came out. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. so the exciting. Before, wasn't it? The night before was a t- BBC TV special. Yeah. yeah. Can you and, imagine uh, society being so excited by an yeah. album? And it's just so loud. But I love yeah. it. <laughs> There's mm. no bass on it. <laughs> Every song is like ten minutes long. Yeah, so, I, I, no, I think the songs are all right. I think the production is just the songs are just too long. So it, it came out on the twenty-first of August, and Princess Diana died ten days later. Wow. Yeah, and the night Princess Diana died, I'd been drinking Alco Pops in a Safeway car park in Hatch End, Paul. I don't know. I do know that that happened though, because I puked out of my bedroom window that night. <laughs> yeah, something went Princess Diana did. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I celebrated. No, but I woke up and had to clean, <laughs> had to clean up puke, and then it was like that was some national disaster or whatever. I was still a paper remember... then. The next morning, I had to deliver all the papers, but all the papers were late because Diana had died, and they hadn't printed them yet or whatever. Yeah, still doing a paper round back in those days, and uh, yeah. It was like Brexit. People had lost their minds, hadn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a uh, people were hysterical outside. Well, you didn't know, huh? Yeah. Like, it was weird. I remember as a kid going, this is weird. Apparently Keith Richards was asked about it and he goes, yeah, don't know, never met the chick. Yeah. <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Keith. That's why I love Keith. <laughs> Does anyone else remember what they were doing? Was anyone like knee deep in hookers and heroin or anything at 15 or 14 that night? I, I was at school. Did anyone kill her? Who I, did it? I, I, I was at a Catholic school, at Catholic school trying not to get fucked in the arse. <laughs> you had, you had that. I found, I did you succeed? Miserably. I found, I found miserably. No. I was, I was at school, still playing guitar as much as possible. Yeah, no, it's night seven. So I was, a, I was a, in Bristol because I was still at uni, or I can't remember. Yeah, about to leave, I think. Uh, yeah. So we can wind it up. But is there any other? I've got some other questions here. Good Britpop song by a bad band, and vice versa. Bad Britpop song by a good band. Good enough by Dodgy. Yeah, that, that's, that's, I think there are a few, aren't they? Like, yeah, like Dodgy, Shed Seven, Casts, who've all had like their moments. I like the Shed Seven song. She left me on Friday. Good title. I, I, there was some weird thing. I have to look it up. But look up. There was some Twitter thing where where someone complains about something to Shed Seven, like the wrong Twitter handle. <laughs> Sorry, we're a beat combo from the 90s. We can't help you with this. <laughs> so, I don't do a lot of music these days. I'm on this podcast, really. And like, t- yeah. time is precious and all that stuff. So it's been good kind of digging out a few old songs and reliving some of the memories. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Enjoyed it. Uh, so thanks to Sam, John, Mark and Paul. We'll be back next week with um, we're going to discuss Krautrock and um, Bonjour. Bonjour.